Hello, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America, and thank you for joining us today. We will start with our morning prayer. I have a few excerpts from page 77 of Divinity Course and General Collectania. Animal magnetism, ignorant or malicious, you cannot separate me from God good. You cannot dim my spiritual perception. For God is all in all, the only creator of the only universe and man. We are his children, and we do realize the all-fullness of the omnipotence of God. My health, strength, life, intelligence, action, etc. are subject to the governing and controlling power of the divine mind and to nothing else, for there is no other power. Mary Baker Eddy. It's beautiful, thank you. All right, the watching point. Watch number 134. Watch lest as you strive for cause or to correct cause, which is wholly mental, you permit thoughts of effect to distract your efforts. The cowboy who pulled out his gun and shot the villain in a movie would have to learn that he was only observing shadows before he could turn away from the picture long enough to change the reel in the projector for a better one. It is right that the effects of demonstration should be manifested in one's experience. But in one's efforts to gain and reflect this divine power, he should not permit himself to be distracted, either by the manifestation of error or by the anticipation of what he hopes and expects divine power to accomplish. When a baseball player is trying to catch a ball, he allows nothing to distract him at that point, neither jeers from the crowd nor speculations as to whether his team is winning or losing. Jesus said, quote, labor not for the meat which perishes, unquote. Labor not for effect. Do not let thoughts of effect distract your labor for cause. If the left hand symbolizes the demonstration of applying truth to human experience, and the right hand the demonstration of receiving pure mind, <clears throat> then we should not let the left hand know what the right is doing. In other words, we should never permit the anticipation of the effect of demonstration to distract our thoughts from our reception of pure mind. When we pray with a human object or effect in thought, we humanize prayer. When we pray with thought filled with fear for effect, we vitiate the power of prayer. When we descend from cause to effect for any reason, we forfeit the power we possess in cause. Thank you. Okay, comments. Well, it was uh, one. Go ahead, Jeremy. One thing I was thinking about this was about something I've learned is just just to stay in right now. <laughs> you know, don't, yeah. don't think about later. <laughs> there have been a lot of times when I've been on the mix board during a service, and all these thoughts come in about later. You know, even you know how I'm going to do the sound or a million other things, and I've had to actually write on a poster, you know, the word now. Just put it there. Just stay right where I'm supposed to be, doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And the more I do that during the day, the better everything is. So. Thank you. That's so true. You, your mind races ahead. It gets into negative scenarios or what will you do with this, that. Um, just now. Now is all you ever have to deal with. Karen? Well, one of the... <clears throat> One of the important, one of the things that stands out to me here is that we vitiate the power of prayer. 
we take from our our prayer the power that we are hoping to see as a result when we take our eye off of cause. And um, it's, it's, it's very important. This is something that I've struggled with. It's getting distracted by what I'm hoping to achieve. If you'll permit me, there is a, a, a beautiful um, illustration of this, very short, in um, Daniel Jensen's lecture called um, Beginning Rightly, where he refers to his teacher, um, who in her early practice, her son had a belief of polio. Um, I'd like to read it very brief, but it illustrates this point okay. so clearly. When I went into the Christian science practice, my teacher illustrated unforgettably this point of choosing the correct premise. Early in her practice, her infant son became paralyzed from the waist down with a belief of polio. You can imagine how earnestly she worked, hours each day. Then, after her treatment, she would, naturally enough, look under the blanket to see if he could move his little legs. But after four months of most diligent work, nothing had changed. So at this point, she went to a practitioner. After hearing of the problem, the practitioner smiled and made one simple unveiling statement. Quit peeking, dear. Instantly, my teacher saw what she had been doing. She went home and gave her child a treatment based on a totally different premise. As she said to me, Quote, it never occurred to me to look at his legs again. What did that have to do with it? Nothing. The next morning when she bathed him, he almost jumped out of the pan. No atrophy, no time of recovery. No wonder the false testimony had vanished. She wasn't peeking anymore, asking matter to confirm spiritual fact. She had shifted to a spiritual premise. Thank you. That was a very clear illustration of of the fact that we can't look away from our um, from what our, what we're really trying to achieve, and that is to understand God better. Cause. Yes. Thank you. That reminded me of something from that fragments book of uh, things attributed to Mrs. Eddy. So the student asked Mrs. Eddy why she did not progress faster. Mrs. Eddy said that she did not completely shut the door on error, but left it open a crack in order to peek in and see what error was doing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Sometimes people wonder why things seem to get worse. Well, if you're always looking mm-hmm. at matter, you're even though you, you go in your room and pray and then you run to look at the matter situation, then that's that's a duality, right? Yeah, and is the matter you're giving the power to all the time. Yes. Martha Wilcox says, I love this, this is something will be in next year's calendar. What is the process of healing? Healing is the increasing awareness of perfection rather than the eradication of disease. Just think about that. It is the increasing awareness of perfection. You, you think about God. You think where your thoughts are. You think you focus on him again. It's not about the eradication of disease. That will just go because it was never true in the first place. So the more you understand about God, these false beliefs drop away like an old garment. Someone was saying recently, sometimes you don't even say you thank you because it's so natural and normal, you hardly even notice it at that point. So keep your focus always on the Father. That doesn't mean you necessarily ignore the problems. We don't ignore or evade or any of that, but but we don't build it up by, yes, this being quoted, peeking at it. Are you going to say something? No, you just recognize them as red flags that you've got more spiritual growth to, to in front of you. <laughs> and has anybody ever had the experience where they'll call a practitioner because they've got a certain problem and then they get healed of another problem yeah. that they didn't mention? <laughs> <laughs> when they grow? 
sufficiently in spirit? And that is, you know, one thing Mrs. Evans gave me very early on, the Lord will perfect that which concerneth you or me or however you want to say it. Um, when you seek practitioner help or when you seek God's help, which is seeking practitioner's help as well, God is perfecting everything that's not right, even maybe things you didn't even know were wrong. It, it goes through the whole system, and the system is not necessarily your body. It's everything about you is God is perfecting. It's a wonderful thing to think about. I think about it often, actually. All things that concern you, all things that maybe you're worried about or all things that concern have you have any dealings with, God is perfecting. Yeah. In our textbook, what does Mrs. Eddie say? Truth is an alterative to the entire system. Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I thought the quote last night from the watch was pertinent. When a hungry heart petitions the divine father, mother, God for bread, it is not given stone. What is it given? It is given grace but more grace, obedience, and love. If this heart, humble and trustful, if faithfully asks divine love to feed it with the bread of heaven, health, and holiness, it will be conformed to a fitness to receive the answer to its desire. <clears throat> then will flow into it the river of his pleasure, the tributary of divine love, and great growth in Christian science will follow. Even that joy which finds one's in one's own good in another's. That says a lot in that paragraph. It says a tremendous amount. My goodness. If you're honest and humble, you're going to be conformed. So get ready <laughs> to be conformed. <laughs> and then, being humble first. <laughs> being humble, yeah. And then you'll be ready to receive what is already there. What is already there, you'll be able to see it. And then what does it result in that you're going to be thinking about your, your neighbor, and your brother? There's a lot in that, those few sentences. It's amazing. She wrote so beautifully because it was inspired. These are messages from God. Now our... Subject today is God, the only cause and creator. <clears throat> and um, go ahead and read the golden text for us, Lil. Ah, oh, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth <laughs> by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Isn't that beautiful? And I love what, um, <clears throat> I guess it's Patricia from New York. <clears throat> she wrote on the forum, excuse me. Is she here? Or? Yeah, she is. Yeah, okay. Do you have it to read, Patricia? Uh, no, I don't. I'm sorry. All right, well, she writes, mm -hmm. <clears throat> Cause is that which produces an effect, that which impels into existence, that from which anything proceeds, and without, <clears throat> excuse me, without which it would not exist. Effect is for purpose, reality, perfection, completeness. And that's the Noah Webster 1828 Dictionary. Then, therefore, man is the visible manifestation and presence of the living God. <laughs> I, I love the part effect is for purpose. And I just yes. kept thinking about that all week, that word effect. I mean, that's for the purpose. <laughs> that is the purpose, yes. It's a beautiful thought. If you feel lost, look to God. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's encouraging, isn't it? Because every one of us has a purpose. Right. It's beautiful. Therefore, man is the visible so manifestation and presence. And present. Of the living God. If you're there, we can hear you, Florence. You can hear me? Yeah. Now, we, now can. we can. Oh. No, that's what I was, I just said, that therefore man is the visible manifestation and presence of the living God. 
What more can we want? Yes. What more could we want? We couldn't ask for anything more. Well, if we do want more, we are asking amiss, aren't we? <laughs> yes. And we may get it and we may not get it, but it won't bless us if we ask for more. Yeah, and this is why so many people, you know, they'll present to me a to-do list that they want God to do. Oh, and then I want this, and then I want that. And I go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> this isn't about exactly what you want. <laughs> this is about, again, knowing more of the Father. When you know more of the Father, everything you need will become manifest. Again, because it's already there. It's already present. We just need the eyes to see it. It's like what uh, Kletty said uh, in the beginning. Amen. In other words, God has already done it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me laugh, but it, I think it's quite a lesson, um, what he's saying. Yes, thank you. Yes, wait, we're going to try to put you on speaker. <clears throat> speaker off. All right, I think you're on. Okay, go ahead, Zary. Uh, I just wanted to say uh, I'm really grateful you talked about the here and now because um, I was looking for some portfolios of my artwork and I kept going to the same place and didn't find them. So then I thought, uh, I've got to change. And I said, well, I'm so grateful that God gave me the abundance to create in God's name and in God's way. And I put it aside and I found two of the things I was looking for. <laughs> just wanted to say thank you. And I think it goes along with what we've just heard. Yes, thank you, Zary. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there was a, a beautiful article Carrie sent the One Primal Cause by Duncan Sinclair. And he, he quotes Mrs. Eddy saying, there is but one primal cause. Therefore, there can be no effect from any other cause, and there can be no reality in aught which does not proceed from this great and only cause, science and health. Does evil or disease proceed from the one perfect primal cause? Impossible. Then evil or disease can have no reality. It is, as Christian science terms it, a false belief, an illusion, an unreal sense. The very fact that evil or disease can be healed or destroyed is proof of its unreality. For surely that only can be real in the absolute sense, which is indestructible. And then he goes, he, he quotes that, Ah, Lord, behold, thou hast made the heaven and earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Nothing too hard for truth. Let the sufferer from the belief of sickness or sin turn to truth. Letting go his hold on the illusions of material sense, he can prove for himself that nothing is too hard for truth to heal. So that can be our, our lodestar, so to speak. I mean, that goes along with the allness of God. Go back to cause to did this come from a good God that loves me or not? And the beauty of Christian science is that you can prove this to yourself. You don't have to take anybody's word for it. <laughs> Go out and try it. I know many of, many of you do. So, I mean, I'm speaking to the choir, but... We, we can offer this to friends who are ready for it, and they don't have to take your word for it. They, they can prove it to themselves. I like that it, it also, <clears throat> it sets a standard because if a uh, situation seems not quite right and someone gives you an alternative about, or discouragement, well, we are sunk. You don't have to accept it and stand for it. You can go to, to God and look and say, you know, nothing's too hard for thee, and <clears throat> wait for the answer to come, and it does. Thank you. Thank you so, very much. And, and that is, you know, having your dependence on him, and not on man, but on God. 
we had a, another wonderful Bible study yesterday. They didn't, weren't there, listened to it. So many good things that come out from those Bible studies. So we have a little strength, <laughs> as the Church of Philadelphia did. So that meant they had to put all their trust in God. And there's, there's always the answer in him. Now, before we go any farther, Linda, I wanted you to talk about your, because that's not coming up till, toward the middle of the lesson. Yeah. Can I uh, just say about the quote that you read? Yes. Thank you. Uh, because it said uh, about uh, sickness or error being healed. And um, we have learned through this great science of the Christ that we don't really heal error because we cannot heal nothing. But uh, this science teaches that uh, is the revealing of our true identity, of our true self. So I just wanted to point out maybe some new people, you know, uh, the quote says exactly that, but um, it was a great quote. I'm just pointing out that uh, we learn in Christian science uh, that is uh, revealing of perfection and the truth that was always there, so we don't really heal error. Uh, but anybody, please uh, <laughs> feel free to comment if this, there's something wrong here. But that's what I have learned. Thank no, thank you. You. That's good. I think that's why our prayer, you know, Mrs. Eddie has instructed or helped us to see that the way Jesus prayed, it's more of affirmation of what's already been done than, oh, God, please help me to heal this or let this be like this. You know, it's more prayer of affirmation, and that gives the power of that presence. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it's people who are healed, and it's the destruction of error. People are healed of their false beliefs and their distrust of God. Um, but yes, the false beliefs fade away, and understanding comes, appears. This is also true when we, we seek safety and protection, because ultimately there's nothing to protect yourself from if God is all in all, right? Yeah. So, but we say, you know, protection and safety, we say healing, we talk that way, but ultimately in science, we take it to the absolute. Nothing to heal, nothing to be protected from. Um, how could, could, if everything is spirit, God good, where does this evil even exist? only in our own false belief. And there it's destroyed, and reality comes to light. So go ahead. Um, I was looking up the word hearken from our lesson. It was in there twice, but the one quote I love was from Job, and it said, hearken unto this, stand still, and consider the wondrous works of God. And uh, during my reading at our five pages a day, I came across Proverbs and it said, quote, But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell in safely, dwell safely, and shall be quiet from fear of evil. End quote. I just thought that was beautiful. So quiet from fear of evil. Yes. Did I read it wrong? No. Oh, okay. And then uh, from Webster's Dictionary, uh, I looked up hearken, and it said, listen, give respectful attention, attend. And then I, the archaic version was to give heed. So it's a uh, very deep, uh, not just hearing something. And then the opposite was to tune out and ignore and refuse to take notice. And then to listen was to give thoughtful attention and consideration. And I love the part because it said also to be alert and to... Uh, catch an expected sound so you're expecting something to come and you're being alert which we're talking about doing and then here was to gain knowledge and gain information and receive communication so we're gaining as we know god's giving us and then i happened to come across a commentary i don't know if you want to read part of it about where he was talking about not listening okay so this is a ray spedman i guess is how you say his name and he was writing a little bit about hearkening to god and he says He's talking about sitting in church, and he says, quote, 
externally it looks as though you are all paying attention you sit there quietly with wrapped turned up faces your eyes are open staring straight ahead apparently attracted by what the word of god is saying but and then he says some of you are playing golf others of you are rehearsing a business deal some of you are planning a trip some are going over a conversation you had two days ago and then he says it would be fascinating at the end of the service to know where everybody has been <laughs> but god when his word is speaking and not only hearken hearken means to heed the word to do something about it to let it really change you and then he went on to say that when you don't listen, that's hardening your heart. And then he says that shows up because, quote, the minute anything goes wrong with them, they are ready to fall apart, end quote. And then he ends this with a prayer and a, a admonition. He says, quote, besides church, are we purposefully seeking quiet times and spaces when we can pay attention and hearken to God's word letting him speak peace into our soul, end quote. And it's just everything that's taught here, but sometimes it's just said a little different. And I just love that, speaking peace to our souls. And Yes, thank you. Yes. Yeah, and, and how true. We, we must, during a service, focus on the service, what's being read, and know that it is being understood and is going out to bless others. Um, we can't be daydreaming about playing golf or whatever but it was funny uh, so and and you know we've all we all have done that and we need to all do better yeah, he admits to doing it too so yeah. that's why he knows how to <laughs> <laughs> no I, I i said a while ago how i was kind of astounded at myself the way my mind was wandering during the lord's prayer you know oh i know that and i don't think about it but it's powerful now i'm making such an effort to focus and concentrate on these words and we have good readers. Good readers, you will their their being, their personality just fades away, and you can just think about the word, the message. What is it that you say when you read? When you read, mm -hmm. yeah. When you read, don't don't just read. Be be the messenger from God, who's giving his message. To his children. Uh, could read, I say something? He's read, Uta. Read it as God would speak it. Yes. Okay. Okay, Uta. Thank you. As we we are doing the reading, Zari and I in German, and she always tells me that. I mean, just the words, just what you said. She tells me each time, and I say, "Oh, well, I try." I mean, to speak with the um, authority, or to speak with conviction, and. But I'm I'm really grateful that that I'm doing this work with Zeri together because she has a sense of what I'm doing. She, but I I don't really see it each time. But I have somebody who tells me, "All right, come back to the right thing." Thank you. That's wonderful. That's really being a true friend and helping. And what did you say about the German website on our report this time? Oh yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of lessons and articles on there and i don't remember the numbers but we had quite a few visitors and probably the most views of pages on that site of any of the translated sites it was something like over twelve thousand hmm. pages viewed on german website now we have a frank in canada that does a lot of the articles and and uta and zari have been reading the lessons for it must be going on nine years now or something so faithfully doing this and I'm so grateful. And and many, I know Suzanne with the French lessons, and it, it's time-consuming, and it takes focus, and it takes, as Zari was telling Uta, bringing your thought back. Think about the message. Think about what you're saying. It, get rid of a, a sense of self. Um, and this is what makes the readings as powerful as they are. And I guess it was yesterday we talked about the... Uh, prayer for readers that you should all be familiar with it's it's so beautiful it's on our website yes on the wednesday testimony meeting uh text page yes where there's a link to it 
Thank you. So we can all do better in, in focusing <laughs> during the service to make it such a powerful time, a powerful meeting. And so uh, thank you, Linda. Right, right before I came to this church, I had seen this video of this guy that like taught actors how to improvise. And he was, was saying, you know, your, your mind's going to wander in the midst of it. So when you realize that you're back, just say out loud that you're back. So when I started watching and I would realize that and I was back, I would, I, I would do that. I'm back. Make sure, you know, you, that amount goes down. Yes. <laughs> so. there, there's a, a, we were taught that there's a belief that you can only concentrate for like so many seconds at a time, you know, focus on one thing that your mind does wander now that's a belief and you have to deny it and prove it otherwise and how do you do that you do it by doing it you know you have to do it so uh and and in doing that it'll help you in many other areas as well focus and pay attention this is a bible statement maybe it'll help it's in service i i use it it says nothing can enter the defileth or make it for life Beautiful. And, and that's helped a lot, especially when it's impersonal. When my story starts to drift, I know it's not, mm -hmm. it's just uh, opposition. Yes, it is opposition, or that, and, and of course, feeling tired and sleepy. Mm -hmm. Now, Kari uh, wrote a beautiful forum, too, about this Charles Herbert Light Toller, who was the only senior officer to survive the Titanic. And um, I guess he wrote a book, which I didn't know about, Titanic Voyager. It was um, in the Christian Science Journal of October 1912, his testimony, which we have had a few times in, the, in Healing Thoughts. Um, but for those of you, all, all of these forum things you can read yourselves, but it's, it's a beautiful story and how he realized to, to pray. He says that, a doubt never entered my mind as to the possibility of my surviving. In other words, of the ability of the divine power to save me. He also says, and while I was below the surface, these words from the 91st Psalm came to me so distinctly that I seemed to realize their full import. He shall give his angels charge over thee. So he used his science in this very stressful situation and he survived it and helped others survive it too so it's quite a beautiful story um i think once i read it even at a at one of our meetings the testimony that's in the sentinel so well that that bottom line of that is actually a link to the article on our website oh good oh thank you Great. very good so this uh Beautiful lesson, of course, we're handling many things, many kinds of storms, but certainly storms. Um, for thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat, when the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. And also a man shall be as a an hiding place from the wind and a covert from the tempest as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Now we have a picture entitled Covert from the Tempest, right? Yeah. And what is that a picture of? The Mother Church. The original. Yes. The original, yeah. the original Mother Church with what is this clouds lowering? Anyway, that is what it stands for. Covert protection from the storms and and that's where we seek our our safety and i don't know as i've said i don't know if these are the latter days but sometimes it feels like it and as i've said maybe every generation has their latter days but each generation we should be getting stronger and stronger in the truth right and proving our dominion over it all um, I'm going to give two assignments to you this week. One is Mrs. Eddy's chapter, um, One Cause and Effect. 
in miscellaneous writings, it certainly deals with this lesson this week. And I think Jeremy did feature it. Um, but, you know, just a paragraph of this. It's powerful. It's wonderful to work with. My chapter's all marked up. That there is but one God or life, one cause and one effect is the multum in parvo of Christian science. And to my understanding, it is the heart of Christianity, the religion that Jesus taught and demonstrated. In divine science, it is found that matter is a phase of error and that neither one really exists since God is truth and all in all. Christ's Sermon on the Mount in its direct application to human needs confirms this conclusion. And that's only a little bit of it. It, it. It's something to get into, really work with, and get this clear sense of God being the only cause, creator, and effect. And if you are dealing with effect, stop it. <laughs> and get back to cause. Kimball says, and then, and then I'm sure he taught it to Bicknell Young, in any treatment, you always handle three things, which are what? Uh, cause, law, law substance. Law, substance. Thank you. Cause, law, substance. Cause. Only one cause. You can't say, oh, the reason for this. You're justifying the problem. Oh, you know, I, I, um, I had a day out in the cold weather, and that's why I'm sick. No. There's only one cause, God good. And if you were doing God's work, there's no reason to feel badly. Law, again, only the one law, God's law, a law of kindness. You're not under any other law, no mortal mind law, barbaric laws, Mrs. Eddy calls it, and substance. Your only substance is spirit. Get rid of the matter. Mrs. Eddy says that's always what's needed in healing. It's this belief. That there's substance in matter. Yeah. So those three things, anytime you're treating anything, always consider those three things now, I like when it says it's because of these three things why there's no continuity of the error oh good uh, thank you if there's who says that Kimball or that's in several articles actually probably Bicknell Young Bicknell Young no continuity of the error continuity Give okay. me one more day to know this never happened. <laughs> one more day this never happened. And what did you say about, you know, the Red Sea and no reversal? Oh, yeah, it was, it was the very first thing I thought this week with it. And, um, you know, since God good is the only cause, when we are truly healed, we can know those false beliefs which brought on the seeming issue will be seen again no more forever. And I just found a few statements from... One of them was from Precepts. If the statement in Science and Health, page 442, is true, quote, truth cannot be reversed, but the reverse error end quote, then students have the authority for playing the game of reversal on animal magnetism. If error declares you are sick, you can know you are well, since the reversal of error must be the truth. Thank you. Wonderful. Yes. And that statement, you shall, you shall see this Egyptian no more forever. That was, again, one Mrs. Evans gave us to know this is out. Okay. Gone. Kaput. Over. Don't be thinking it's going to come back. Don't be thinking those things. What do ye imagine against the Lord? He shall make an utter end. Affliction shall not rise up the second time. That's where we stand. Now, um, Shardy, tell us about Chapter 62 in, in Spiritual well, Footsteps. Excuse it's, me. A, it's about the weather, and uh, I have read it, listened to it several times, and uh, I, I uh, suggest that everyone read it. It handles everything, and Mrs. Eddy so diligently instructed her students she'd invite somebody to her home and then she would tell them to work on the weather yes and they did and uh, uh, carpenter says you know you might think that's 
below the high altitude of the thinking, but it's not. It was to teach you. And I, I tell you honestly, every time I read it or listen to it, I hear something new to help me, to help us. It's for the world. And it's very beautiful. So I recommend it. Thank you. Yes, that's another assignment for you to read and study this chapter. Um, speaking of the latter days, all, the, all this weather stuff going on, we as Christian scientists must be working to handle it. Which precepts? I'm sorry. Footsteps. I keep saying it's footsteps. Spiritual footsteps, chapter 62. It's a powerful. I'm going to read some of it today because it is so powerful. Um, we have this little committee, our little weather committee, that uh, Shardy kind of heads up, but sends messages, and people say when there's something untoward happening in any part of the world. Any of you can join this, and any of you can participate or alert us to something you hear about the weather because then they work and i'm telling you it's had an amazing amount of success i'm keeping track because <laughs> she's keeping a journal it's been absolutely wonderful yes i don't know how many times recently in new jersey tornadoes are all this stuff coming our way usually on a wednesday night nothing we'll have a gentle rain or something like that um we have been <clears throat> handling the weather for many years here in plainfield it's something we were taught to do. I'm, I want you all to be doing it. Mrs. Eddy said everyone should be doing it. Um, it's not just for a few. This chapter, which is one of the reasons why I love, love it, it does speak a little bit about Mrs. Eddy's home. And I feel for us, we should model Mrs. Eddy's home as much as possible with our watching, with handling weather. If we don't do it, who will? And if not now, when? So... Uh, most important this work. Can I tell, not too long ago, there was a huge, and it was supposed <laughs> to be terrible storms. There was a huge, uh, right outside, cloud. It was very, very dark and threatening. Five of us went out at your lead, at your, at your leading. Yes. And we stood there and faced it. And some ladies said, came down with a little dog and goes, Hello, ladies, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and it dispersed. It did. And we went back. It rained a little. It rained, but it, it dispersed. And it was a type of cloud I've recognized because we've had some strange weather. New Jersey never, ever had tornadoes. But one time we saw one headed straight for a house. And it actually, it started with this dark cloud lowering cloud and suddenly it turned in it was just small a small tornado but you know ripped a, a big branch off our tree and ripped so the whole top of the tree off yeah so i've learned we don't just shrug our shoulders and think there's nothing we can do so we all stood out and faced it yes and it did you must do this and you can do this do you want to say something no sure. okay no. all right so this is footsteps it must be thoroughly understood that man as divine love created him as God's representative or the channel through which the power of God flows out into the universe. And without man, God would no more be operative than with the laws of the nation without representatives to enforce them. The first chapter in Genesis says, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Thus man, reflecting God, is Lord of the objective universe. Through mortal mesmerism, man has been induced to accept the suggestion that the laws of nature have supremacy over the laws of God, with the consequence that as science and health says, man becomes the most absolutely weak and inharmonious creature in the universe. Thus man is tricked into sitting by and believing that since the control of all external effects has been taken out of his hands, he is perfectly powerless in his own universe. What must one do to regain his birthright of supremacy? Must he not recognize his dominion over the universe as the son of man and then establish himself as a channel so that the normal government of the universe by the divine power he reflects 
will become an evident fact. In this process, there is the danger that mortal man will attempt to resume a place of control without putting off a human sense and taking on the divine mind. Mrs. Eddy foresaw such a situation. She unfolds on page 96 of Signs and Health, and she writes of conflicting forces, discord, and dismay, but adds that those who discern Christian science will hold crime in check. We know that nations do this, you know, that they do interfere with, with weather. At first, maybe it's done for good, but then in wars and things, it's done not for good. And that is unacceptable, to say the least. This discussion leads up to the interesting fact that one of the tasks Mrs. Eddy directed those students who lived with her to assume was working on the weather. She would call a student to Pleasant View, provide him with an ample yearly salary, and then assign him the major part of his work to handling the weather. Perhaps to the uninstructed, such a condition might seem inconsistent with the majestic operations of Christian science, where it is concerned with bettering the race and freeing it from bondage of sin, sickness, and death. Well, you know, one of the things with the weather, it affects farmers, it affects everybody. It can have disastrous results. People lose their their homes, so uh, livelihoods. So it's most important. The following statements by Mrs. Eddy show in no uncertain way the insistence and persistence with which she held before our gaze this effort, which concerned handling the thought back of high winds, heavy snow or rain, electrical storms and drought. Quote, now when there is the claim that the weather is sultry, handle it and you will see a breeze spring up. If it is cold, handle it. It is all in mind, ever the same, harmonious. God did not make sultry weather, etc. Then if we, through belief, have made it, we must unmake it. When it looks like thunder and lightning, handle it. There is no sultry atmosphere to cause thunder and lightning. When Clara was here, I would speak about the thunderstorms, and she would work alone, and they would all disappear. You can do this, and if you are not at first successful, do not get discouraged. Keep trying. When you have the first indication, forestall it. Handle the thought of reversal. You can do it. The reign of harmony is. You can make it rain. It can water the earth. Is there a devil that can reverse God's government? No. Then have faith as a grain of mustard seed. You can. Do not take up. There is no thunder and lightning. Know that God governs the elements. And there is nothing destructive or harmful. God sends the rain. Human will cannot come in and govern. The loving Father gives us what is for us, and nothing else can. He is love, and love controls the elements and all things. Do not treat the weather as though a storm could go around and let our neighbor have it. When I take it up, I face the clouds and see God's face, love, shining through. Then the clouds scatter. And there is no storm to break upon anyone. <clears throat> Did God give you dominion over the earth? Yes. He gave you dominion over all. Then you can control the weather. Handle the weather just as you do any belief of mortal mind. You are not a Christian scientist until you do control the weather. Wow. <clears throat> so, you study that, you with that your areas you make sure the where you live you can work on this and then you go out we spread it to the world we do this work i found it interesting i don't think i ever saw it before in the story of of christ stilling the storms it said the waves were going over the boat and have you ever seen the movies with the waves are going yeah. over the boat yeah. and what was jesus doing sleeping. sleeping he was sleeping so let us do this work with joy. It's a great privilege that she teaches us how. It's in these books. It's also in Watches, Prayers, and Arguments. Um, but that chapter, thank you, Shardy, for pointing that out. Well, thank you, everyone, because I, I'm just, I don't know what how this happened, but 
all these workers. They're so marvelous. They are. They are. Thank God for Dear Carpenter. So I would like to um, just kind of give quick testimony of this. Uh, you, some of you may know that in Texas, and I lived in Houston, and there is these terrible big storms, as mortal mind will say. And uh, through prayer, all of them were were absolutely handled, and it will change not just for our house, which was from you know had glass from ceiling to to floor of the ceiling and nothing ever happened anyone around it i pray for also for the community and people were like how come all this this tree didn't fall off and you know all these things they were they were giving testimony without sometimes knowing that the prayer that went on but this is absolute possible true i did it for three years that i lived in houston and anyone that will dig into this can do it so i just wanted to pass the blessing thank you thank you ingrid thank mm-hmm. you yes so all right well we're going to end with this sweet story that carrie sent to this this is a short story that can be found on bible hub and it relates to matthew 8 <laughs> verse 23 which says and when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And the story goes, entitled Fearless in Danger. Quote, some years ago, an officer in the army who was a pious man was drafted abroad with his regiment. He accordingly embarked with his wife and children. They had not been many days at sea when a violent storm arose, which threatened the destruction of the ship and the loss of all their lives. Consternation and terror prevailed among the crew and passengers. His wife also was greatly alarmed. In the midst of all, he was perfectly calm and composed. His wife, observing this, began to upbraid him with want of affection to her and her children, urging that if he was not concerned for his own safety, he ought to be for theirs. He made no reply, but immediately left the cabin, to which he returned in a short time with his drawn sword in his hand and with a stern countenance pointed it to her breast. But she, smiling, did not appear at all disconcerted or afraid. What, said he, are you not afraid when a drawn sword is at your breast? No, answered she. Not when I know that it is in the hand of one who loves me. And he and would you have me, replied he, to be afraid of this storm and tempest, when I know it is in the hand of my heavenly Father who loves me? End quote. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.